Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 and 6. I think most of the scriptures will be up behind me. Matthew 28. Let's start reading it, verse 1. And now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, and he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to bring his disciples' word. We're getting ready to enter into the Easter season, so I just want to give you just a bit of an introduction to the Easter season and talk about just a a few ideas leading up to Easter. You know, for many people, Easter's just another holiday. I remember growing up, we looked forward to Easter because we got a four-day weekend from school. You know, some people... Easter's great because there's a three-day weekend from work. Or some people think about Easter and they think about chasing or looking for these little colored eggs, Easter egg hunt. Some people, Easter means they get candy from the Easter bunny. And those are, you know, just some things. Easter has been very commercialized. You know, it's, it's almost as soon as Christmas is over, the stores start putting stuff for Easter in. Well, Valentine's fits in there a little bit, but, you know, Easter's a big thing, and it's been commercialized around the world. But for you and I, Easter is the central part of the gospel. It's the most important holiday for us. Yes, Christmas is important because if Jesus hadn't been born, we wouldn't have had Easter. But just because Jesus was born did not remove our sin. Easter is central to the gospel. Let me give you some theories about the resurrection of ways people try to refute the resurrection. One, they said, you know, 
he didn't really die. He just kind of passed out. And they all thought he was dead. They said he swooned. That's an old word that means he, he was out. He was gone. Passed out, whatever. But he didn't really die. And then three days later, he revived and came out of the tomb. Now, in John 9, 1933, it says, When the soldiers saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, and immediately they came, came out blood and water. I don't know about you, but when someone pierces a person's side enough to pierce the heart to where the blood and the water comes out, they're dead. The centurion who was in charge of the crucifixion and these soldiers who were at the crucifixion, they did it all the time. When the centurion twice, he testified that Jesus was dead because they came and they saw that he was already dead, so he said, don't break his legs. And they pierced his side. And then when Pilate heard that Jesus was already dead, he called the centurion, and the centurion testified the second time, yes, he is dead. This was a man that his profession and his life depended on knowing when a criminal that he had crucified was really dead. So I, I think that that theory has been thoroughly done away with. Jesus really died. Can we all agree with that? Okay. The second thing that people say to try to uh, refute the resurrection is, oh, they went to the wrong tomb on Sunday morning. Matthew 27, 59 to 60 says, And Joseph took Jesus' body and laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. This is Friday evening. Joseph spent a lot of time creating his tomb. I don't think he did it in a few minutes or a few hours. It probably took him days because it said that he made it himself. I think Joseph knew where his own tomb was. And when they took Jesus down and they put him in his tomb... These ladies went with them and saw where the tomb was. I don't think between Friday afternoon and Sunday morning, they forgot where the tomb was. And the other thing is the angel, what did he tell them? He said, he is not here, he is risen. Don't you think if they were at the wrong tomb... The angel would have said, oh, hey, he's not here. He's in that one over there. <laughs> Think about it. You know, so that theory that they went to the wrong tomb, and the third one I want to share with you, there's many of them, 
was that they stole his body. And that comes straight out of Scripture in Matthew 28, 12 to 13. The chief priest gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ear, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. That gets me excited when I read that because the chief priest knew that he had risen from the dead. And they're trying, this is a wonderful, great cover-up. You think we have big cover-ups in our government now? We're not original with that. This started way back, this cover-up. So let me give you some truth about the resurrection. Number one, the testimony of the angel. Matthew 28, 5 and 6, And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. The angel of the Lord testified that he is risen. The second truth about the resurrection is hundreds of people saw him alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. It says that Jesus appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. In a court of law, someone can be convicted on the testimony of one eyewitness. And here we don't have just one eyewitness to the resurrection, but we have at least 500 people that saw Jesus alive at one time. Jesus arose. And I think one of probably the biggest truths about the resurrection or the proof of the resurrection is the disciples were changed. Acts 4, 19 to 20 But Peter and John answered and says, We cannot speak, stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. On Friday, where were the disciples at the crucifixion? They were all gone. They all left him, except John was the only one there that we have record of in Scripture. Peter had actually, before the crucifixion, three times denied that he even knew Jesus. There are some ladies there and John, but most of them had fled. But here, a few days later, 40 to 50 days after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, we see these same disciples that had run and were afraid and were hiding in the upper room now they're boldly preaching because they had seen Jesus alive and he had given them a great commission to take to the world now I think it is interesting that the very first preachers of the gospel were women. 
And who did the angel tell those women to go instruct? Other women? Now I'm going to step on some toes here. <laughs> okay. But the angel instructed those women who came. They were bold. Where were the disciples? They were hiding. Said, go and tell them that he is risen. I think that's exciting. There are some things that Easter to me prove. They may not prove it to you. I'm going to give you what Easter proves to me, and you can agree with me or disagree with me. That's okay. But I'm going to tell you what Easter proves to me. Number one, Easter proves that Jesus does what he says he will do. In Matthew 28 and 6, it says, He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Jesus told them that he was going to die and rise again. In John 2.22, says, So then when he had raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the word which Jesus had spoken. Jesus does what he says he's going to do. He promised that he would rise from the dead. What are some other things that Jesus has said? One, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus does what he says he will do. And Jesus promised that you and I, if we believe on him, would have everlasting life. He rose from the dead, proved that he does what he says he will do. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then in verse 30, it says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Jesus promised and Jesus said that he would give us peace in the midst of crisis. And the resurrection proves to me that Jesus does what he says he would do. So if Jesus said that he would give me peace and he would give me rest and that if I would take his burden it would be light and easy, I can believe that. Because Jesus rose from the dead. John 15, 11, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. Jesus promised that his joy would be with us. Matthew 9, 6 and 7 says, So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins... He then said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, go home. And he got up and he went home. Jesus promised to forgive our sins. So what does Easter prove to me? It proves that Jesus does what he says he will do. He will give us eternal life. He will give us peace in the midst of chaos and turmoil he will give us joy and he will forgive our sins. The second thing that Easter proves to me is that Jesus is who he says he is. 
John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto her, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then in Luke twenty two seventy, and the Sanhedrin said, Are you the Son of God? And Jesus said, Yes, I am. I want to give you an assignment for this week. Is that okay? How many teachers we have in here? Do you give out assignments? So can you receive one? Okay. <laughs> Some of you raised your hand. Some of you shook your head. Okay, I'm going to give you an assignment anyway, okay? Not going to ask you next week if you did it, but here's your assignment. Go through the Gospel of John and look at all of the I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. And every one of them, you need to rejoice because Jesus says some great things in the Gospel of John. And I want you to tell me how many you find. I have found 11. Now, don't cheat. How many of you have Bible programs on your computer or your phone? Okay, don't go using the search engine and do the giant I am and then count them. Okay, I want you to go through and read it and find them. Is that okay? See, that does two things. One, it gets you excited about the I am statements. And two, if nothing else, you'll read the book of John. Okay? Is that okay? So do it. Number three, what does Easter prove to me? Easter proves that Jesus' power is greater than any obstacle that comes before us. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 56. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your, your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Philippians 4.13, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus overcame the greatest obstacle that any of us ever face, and that's death. Let me see, how many of you sitting in here today once physically died but we're resurrected and you're here today. Anybody? Okay. I asked that one time and one guy raised his hand because he had been dead on the table in the operating room for about 10 minutes and then came back. So, you know, it, it can happen, but I was just wondering. If Jesus handled death, the greatest obstacle of all, then I can trust his power is greater than any financial problem that I have. Amen? And his power is greater than any marital trouble that I find myself coming up against. His power is greater than any parental difficulties I have with my children. And the parent said, are you sure? 
God will see you through. I was thinking the other day, you know, my wife and I are getting a bit older because our baby is now 34, John. Our baby's 30. Our oldest is 39. 34. I called my son and wished him happy birthday on his 39th birthday, and I said, oh, son, you're getting old. He said, Dad, that means you and Mom are really, really old. But I, want, I said all of that to say this. We had some trouble from time to time raising kids. Anybody agree with that? But we saw it through, and they're all in good shape. They're not all doing exactly what we would like them to do, but they're all still alive. I mean, that's a miracle, especially that your first one survives. But think about it. We experiment on the first one. <laughs> How many of you were parents before you had your first kid? None of you. So that first one is a 100% experiment. And if they make it through, it's a miracle of God. <laughs> but I remember sometimes, you know, some of our kids, our, our daughter liked really pushing our button. One time she came home with a tongue ring. And she would talk like this. She would go, Dad. And she'd stick her tongue out as far as she could so we would see it. And what was interesting is my wife and I, neither one of us ever acknowledged the tongue ring. Never said a thing. And she would, I was always, you know, trying to get that reaction. Nothing. A couple days later, guess what? It was gone. And I believe that was God gave us wisdom of not to respond. You can make it through, parents, any difficulty. God is bigger and Jesus' power is greater than any relationship issues that I come across. Let me ask you. Is the power of Jesus enough for you to be able to get along with that person at work that you wish would get fired? What y'all laugh? Am I the only one that thinks that way? Come on now, y'all are looking at me like you never think that about people. But see, the power of the resurrection that's within us is enough power to help us get through any relationship issue that we're dealing with. I've got a couple right now that I'm praying and just, you know, God help me, this has to get fixed. And somehow, some way, God's going to work it out. But his power is big enough to help me through that. And the last one, his power is greater than any sin that I commit. Amen. It doesn't matter what I do. If I am repentant and ask for forgiveness, the blood of Jesus can cover that sin. Amen.
Now, if I'm not repentant and I don't confess and I don't ask for forgiveness, I'm in big trouble. Come on now. And that brings me to a side point. Jesus says if we forgive others, then God will forgive us. So we need to make sure that you and I are men and women that walk in the spirit of forgiveness. The power of the resurrection is greater than anything you come across. I was counseling with someone recently, and I was going, you know, what's the problem? They said, oh, I don't want to tell you you've never heard this. Probably nobody else has ever had this problem before. I said, well, you can tell me. I've probably heard it before and worse. So they told me their problem, so I gave them several other things that people had done that were a lot worse. And so then their problem didn't look as bad. And I'm saying all of that just to let you know that you're not as bad as you think you are. But the other side of that coin is you're probably not as good as you think you are either. (laughs) Amen? Because, see, sometimes we judge ourselves by ourselves, but Jesus is our judge. In this move we've been doing, I just put some cabinets in. And um, I like using a square and a level when I put cabinets in. And so I put the cabinets in level, and then I looked at them, and they looked off. And so I put the level back on it, and it was level. I mean, it was plumb level. And I, it, I couldn't figure out why, is, why does it look off level? And it's because the tiles were running downhill. So if I had not used a level and had run the counters according to the tile, then if you put something on the counter, it would have slid down to the other end. It wasn't squared this way or the other way. <laughs> but by using the level, I got the counter put in properly. It didn't look right because of the tile being off. But here's the spiritual lesson with that. When we use the level of Scripture or the level of what Jesus says, our life will be straight and in line. But when you look at it, it may look off because other people may not be lined up properly. But when I line, try to line my life up with the lives of other people, I would have been like putting that counter along the line of the tile. Jesus wants us to line up with this word and with what he says. And then the fourth thing that Easter proves to me, Easter proves that life after death is real. 
John eleven twenty five. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And then Romans 6, 6. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. See, Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. Jesus proved that the resurrection is true. That means that I can live boldly and confidently knowing that my future is secure. Jesus is preparing a home for me already. My Lord is present with me, and one day he is coming back to bring me to where he is. I just learned again in this move that we did, I hate moving. Anybody agree with that? You know, moving does something wonderful. I mean, we've been here 16 months or so since we moved to Kuwait full-time. There were a couple of things I found that I hadn't seen since I put them away 16 months ago, so we gave that stuff away. But one day, and this is, this is exciting, one day we're going to make the big move. And we're going to go to a place that's already been prepared for us. I heard it said this way. Think of the most beautiful palace that you've ever seen pictures of on this earth. Even if it took them a hundred years to build it, it's nothing compared to your home in heaven. Because Jesus has been preparing your home for over 2,000 years. Because what did he say? I go away to prepare a place for you, and I will come back to take you to that place. So here on earth, I can live confidently, I can live boldly, knowing that one day I will be with him forever. The Apostle Paul's life goal was recorded in Philippians 3.10. Here's the life goal of the Apostle Paul. It would be good that this to be all of our life goals. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Paul said, that's my life goal. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and being conformed unto his death. So I want to ask you today, as we get ready going into the Easter season, it's in about three weeks, what does Easter mean to you? And if I had to ask you the question, what does Easter prove to you, could you give an answer? The importance of Easter, it is the most important thing that we as Christians celebrate throughout the year. What does Easter mean to you? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for this time. Father, we thank you for your word. A lot of scripture 
we looked at today. Father, we thank you that Jesus does what he says he will do. And we thank you that Jesus is who he says that he is. Father, I thank you today that the power of the resurrection that flows within each one of us who are born-again believers, that the life of Jesus flows out of us, that the power of the resurrection, that life eternal that you have given us, the everlasting life. Father, it is enough to sustain us through every situation and hardship and trial that we come against. Father, we thank you that the resurrection proves that there is life after death. And Father, it is abundant life. It's going to be exciting one day to walk the streets of gold and to bow down at the throne of Christ. But Father, help us to understand that you have given each one of us a job to do while we're on this earth. That Father, from the moment we accepted Jesus as Savior until the moment we go to be with him in heaven, that you have given us a job, and that job is to be proclaimers of the good news of all that Jesus has done for us. And Father, I ask that you would help us over this Easter season to really think and ponder and question the meaning of Easter and how am I living out the resurrected life and when people look at my life, do, do they see the power of the resurrection in me and through me? Father, help us during this Easter season to ponder our witness, our life, our work. Father, help us not to get so caught up with things and being here and making money and those types of things that we forget the real reason that Jesus died and rose again, and that was for the entire world to be saved. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.